Welcome to the Out of the Ordinary Podcast. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. Some of my favorite ordinary things are homegrown flowers, strawberry jam, and old books with someone else's notes in them. And some of mine are hot tea, always with milk and sugar, a good movie, my mom's hand-me-down books, and Sunday afternoon naps. This is the podcast where we believe that the best stories grow out of ordinary life. Get comfy. Here we go. So one of the questions that always makes me laugh that we get from listeners of the podcast is often, you know, the inevitable question that we women ask each other, how do you do it all? How are you podcasting? And how do you write books and launch books and travel to speak and while you're still a mom and raising kids and you know, give me the secret formula. <laughs> I always <laughs> wish there was one because I would like it myself <laughs> because I will just go on record today as saying that nothing in the last two days of trying to get new episodes recorded has gone according to plan. Nothing. It has been a series of interruptions that have been difficult to manage and will cut short our recording today because that is what we know about life here in the middle of the everyday ordinary. I mean, that is what it is, right? I mean, nobody's life runs in this beautiful, harmonious, scripted, unbumpy rhythm. Right. I think ordinary life sometimes is just the interruptions stitched together. Just <laughs> <laughs> a series of constant interruptions that you're trying to manage, you know, with the grace and friendship of friends or family who help because you and I, Christy, both have the same reality that we don't have any family close to us where That's we live. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that experience these days where they're not close to family and they're trying to juggle themselves. And it is hard and stressful when you're trying to rely on other folks. Mm -hmm. And so I was laughing when I pulled up our podcast reviews this morning and I was looking at this one from Bryn. And she said such kind things because she said it's, you know, the podcast is everything women need during these middle years when our everyday is less about us and more about serving our family, right? We get into this rhythm, especially as our kids start to get older. There's a sense of busyness and driving them around and all of their obligations now added to our obligations because mm -hmm. they have papers due and recitals and concerts and sleepovers and that new scout badge they're trying to get. It's just a constant series of obligations and interruptions. And I often feel that my job these days is like the administrative assistant for our family. Like I'm just <laughs> constantly updating the family calendar yep. to try to stay on top of everything. It's so overwhelming. And every time there's like new emails from the school, I think to myself, no, please don't make new events. I can't keep up. Please, please give us a pass. <laughs> so Bryn, we liked your comment because you, you know, she goes on to say a weekly reminder, I'm not alone in struggling through these feelings and feeling joyful all at the same time. And I tell you what, I needed to hear that this morning because um, as we were about to sit down and record, I got a call from my daughter's school to let me know she'd been sick at school. And here I am nearly two hours away and can't get back. And her dad is in the middle of class this morning teaching. I can't even get hold of him. But 
here's the grace of God. Grandpa's in town this week. So he's home. And I called him and said, could you go pick up Zoe? And he said, I would love to, but of course I don't have a car. <laughs> you have all the cars. <laughs> so then I was thought, oh no, no, no. And I called two different neighbors and one neighbor was just so kind and went and picked Zoe up from school and dropped her at home. And she threw up again on the way home. And then grandpa tucked her into bed with her iPad and a big bowl next to her. And big, we, bowl. big bowl. <laughs> and we'll wrap up here early so I can go home and be with her. But that is it. That's the rhythm. I looked at Christy this morning over my coffee and I was, I said, this isn't how today was supposed to go at all. This is not what I planned. I planned in my own mind, a beautiful, restful, soulful day at Maplehurst with good food and, you know, beautiful podcast conversations, knowing my kids are safely tucked away in their classrooms and bam, here we are. <laughs> And I'm looking down at my phone as we record, checking for text messages to make sure everything's okay on the right. home front. And I just think for all the women listening, this is our reality. I don't know where we get the illusion that anybody ever has everything under control because it's just not true. It's constantly the tug and pull of interruptions and trying to figure out how to manage them into what you're, you know, trying to move toward. <laughs> I feel like you're on this journey trying to move toward a destination that God has invited you to, something you're trying to participate in, but you have to stop every five seconds. It feels like to tie your shoelaces. That's sort of how it feel, life feels to me sometimes. That's true. I guess that's just being human. But it's funny, as I think about it now, as I look back, as I sift memories of childhood and family life, it's the interruptions that I remember. Really? Some, yeah. Do you mean as a child um, or as a parent now? Especially as a parent now. But, you know, just probably looking back, you know, over my whole life. But, yeah, especially those those interruptions that come so frequently when you're parenting young children. And some of them are sweet. They're not always right. vomit not in the big bowl. <laughs> Right. I can remember times, and these are some of my most vivid memories of having babies and toddlers. Uh, days when, like when my son Bo was maybe one and he, or close to two and was giving up his nap, but I'm playing with him, holding him one day and he falls asleep in my lap. And mm. I remember clearly thinking, this might be the last time he, he does this. Mm. I could try to move him to his bed so I can get on about my life. And he might wake up or I, I don't know, or maybe he would transfer. Or I could just sit here mm -hmm. and hold my baby who is fast becoming, you know, a little boy. Right, right. And I still remember that afternoon and he slept for a long time and I just held him. You just let yourself be interrupted. I let myself be interrupted. It's not always so easy. Right. It's you know, You're right. There are days where I relish the interruptions, and then there are days where I resent them. And it's mm -hmm. very difficult, especially mm -hmm. if you have become sort of task-oriented. I find when I'm trying to finish something, when I'm trying to have completion, and I have a set amount of time that I'm trying to spend on a project, and then I have to end up divvying it between kid drama or homework or cleaning the bathroom, you know, whatever it is. And so there are seasons where life runs more smoothly, but then there are just other seasons where I, f I really do like you feel like it's just a series of interruptions stitched together. And it's interesting. I, um, a couple of years ago, wrote a Bible study for Lifeway called "We Saved You a Seat," and there's a chapter actually. It's this, you know, it's really unpacking what biblical friendship looks like, and there's a chapter called "Friendship 
I think it's called friendship requires interruption or being friendship takes oh. willing to being willing to be interrupted. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, and I went and studied through the gospels looking at Jesus uh-huh. and because what's so interesting, it'll say things like, Jesus was on his way to Galilee and then, or Jesus entered the town and then, or Jesus was going to Jairus's house and then a woman. His, really his entire ministry is a series of interruptions. Oh, that's so interesting. He was always on his way to cross the sea to go somewhere or to go somewhere with his disciples and the people interrupted him. He is, I mean, it is a constant litany of interruptions. That's really his entire ministry. That's fascinating. And something else about Jesus, and I may have gleaned this from a book by Dallas Willard, although I can't right now tell you with absolute certainty, but I I feel like it came from reading some of his books. One of the things I, I think I remember him noticing or calling out about what sets Jesus apart from so much of, you know, ourselves or, or people we know is that Jesus was never in a hurry. Mm. But how ironic that he was always <laughs> on his way to do something or be right. somewhere and he was interrupted. And yet you never have the sense always. in the New Testament that he was rushing. Or that he was resentful of the interruption. Right, because right. I mean, there he is coming to the city and there's Zacchaeus up in a tree. And suddenly Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house for dinner mm. tonight. He seemed to... I don't know. Maybe he anticipated those interruptions because he knew who the people were that he was going Mm. to meet those days. And he never, it never seemed like they were throwing his plans off. Mm. I mean, right? We don't get a sense Mm -hmm. from reading that he then lectured so and so for interrupting. You know, he didn't tell blind Bartimaeus, What are you doing? Mm. I'm headed out. Mm. (laughs) I've got plans with my disciples today. Stop yelling at me. Right. He seemed to to get back to you later this week when I when I can fit you into my calendar. He seemed to embrace the interruptions as a way of embracing those people. And when I think about little Zoe who is sick today, um, you love her and you want to embrace her. I'm ready to run home to her. Yes. Yes. It's it's both and. It's that weird tension of in your mind having your destination today sit on one place and then realizing, oh, that's not going to be where I end up today. You know, Mm -hmm. where I thought I was journeying today isn't going to be where I arrive at. I think this conversation that we're um, embarking on here is related to our previous conversation about goals and invitations. Right. One of the reasons you and I said that we had struggled with goal setting in our lives is it felt like we were trying to take control Mm -hmm. in ways that maybe we weren't meant to to take control. And again, I encourage our listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, to go back and listen because it isn't a... I think it's one episode is bad, seven. One is good. Episode right. seven. Okay. Yeah. But a more, I, I feel like we had a more nuanced conversation right. about the role that goals should play in our lives and also considering this slightly different possibility right. of um, listening for invitations in our life. So I think this conversation is related because I do believe that sometimes, maybe quite often, maybe more often than we're willing to recognize, the interruptions can be invitations. That's such a great way to think of it because when today, it's very vulnerable to have to call a neighbor and ask for help, right? It is. And But I realized there's something about being asked that feels like an invitation into somebody's life. Yes. And so when I called our friends this morning and asked for help, and she said, yes, sure, sure, sure. And she would help. Just how kind. And it opens the door to a new closeness. And actually, last time I was here recording, a similar thing happened, but it wasn't me this time who needed help. Someone was reaching out to me for help. And I remember getting up, you know, getting dressed, getting ready to come and start recording the podcast, and then getting a frantic like series of phone calls. I saw I had missed a bunch of calls 
from one of the other moms in my son's class. And so I, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, when a mom calls you at 7.30 in the morning, you know, it's not <laughs> <Right>. a good thing. <laughs> it's not for casual chit chat. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I called her back and they had, she was just so frantic because our school, it's a public school, but the kids wear school uniform, but they always have a week here or there where if you donate a food item, you can dress out of uniform. But she had got the date wrong. And so it was actually only supposed to start the following oh, week, no. but her kid had gone to school <laughs> in his casual dress-up clothes. And the problem was it wasn't just, you know, casual clothes. It was theme. So <laughs> he's going to be wearing like his pajamas or oh, no. to school. And so she called me frantic because his dad had dropped him off and she was already at work in a different county and couldn't get to him and wanted to know if my son, Micah, if he'd left home yet and if he could please take an extra uniform for her son to change into. And I remember she she was like, I was this morning. She kept apologizing and saying, thank you so much. And I'm so sorry. But I felt that sense of I was invited into her life and I felt so grateful that I could be the one helping this time. And I quickly, you know, called my son at home and he, they hadn't left yet. And I, he's so precious. He's my doer, my task achiever. And I explained the situation and he just said, on it, oh. getting the uniform now. <laughs> <laughs> and he said when he arrived in class and saw his friend in his dress up clothes, he said, oh, he looked so sad, mom. And I just walked right up to him and said, hey, look what I got for you. And pulled the uniform out of the bag and the kid just burst into this huge grin and said, how did you know? To him, of course, it seemed like magic that Micah had saved the day. But that is because that mom had interrupted me that morning. But you're so right. I received it as an invitation into a closer friendship and a deeper sense of being needed um, and appreciated, sort of like we just talked about in our last episode nine, this idea of approval and people seeing us. And so to be trusted in that way felt really special. That's funny. It didn't, that interruption for me didn't feel bothersome Mm -hmm. or burdensome. It felt like I'd been invited into a tender moment of friendship with with another mom. I think interruptions can remind us how much we need one another. Yeah. And as yes. much as it's hard for us sometimes to admit that we need others, mm. we love we do love it quite often, not always, but quite often yes. when people need us and we're able to meet to that help. need. Yeah. Yeah. It's always uh, satisfying when you feel like, oh, I was able to come through for them. And I, you know, our, in our church home group, we have a group, a community group that meet in our house every other Tuesday. And we were all looking around the group one time and realized none of us have local family. That group has become family now who have now helped each other with moves and with babysitting and Christmas parties and birthday parties and celebrating the launch of new projects. That group has become family where it doesn't feel like an interruption anymore. It always feels like an invitation. So I have a story to tell because I'm considering as we talk that interruptions, we often think of them as they're small things, but they're big things, right? Yes. <laughs> they're they're small in the sense of, you know, it's one child who's gotten sick at school. Right. Um, it's a major thing in your day to day, but in the scheme in of the a lifetime, scheme, yes, it's, it's, it's small, a, it's a small right. thing or it's a child who falls asleep in your lap or, or so on. Um, but interruptions can sometimes be... I guess I want to call them disruptions. Mm. They can be earthquake type interruptions in our life. So I think I want to tell the story of a book launch 
And this is a small story. Like most of our stories, right? It's connected to bigger stories. It's connected to stories that belong to other people. I won't try to tell the whole story or the big story or the stories that belong rightly to to others. But, But my story... The small story is the story of when I was all set to release my first book, Roots in Sky. So you would remember this season mm-hmm. well, Lisa Joe, and being an author, you know uh, what that process is like and how for writers, writing the book is one big part of the job. But then releasing that book into the world is another big part of the job. And right. um, we are... We are obligated. We have a responsibility to ourselves and to the work we've created, to our publishers and to those who've helped us right. put, you know, put this book together. We have a responsibility to then help launch that book into the world right. and tell people about it and be present for the release of this book. So I was preparing for that, making my lists and my 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 to-do lists and and considering, you know, calendars and when I would check certain things off. And I'll just add for context so if people aren't familiar, I think from the outside releasing a book can look like a lot of fun. There's a flurry of activity and there's attention and there's celebration, but from the inside it is an incredibly stressful experience. It just I often feel like it's a narrowing and a narrowing and a narrowing down to one pin point prick of light that is the actual launch. But it's just a kind of a crushing as you get there because there's so much required of you in terms of um, marketing and publicity and PR and writing hundreds of guest posts and making sure you're connecting all the dots. So I just know that you were living through that extreme season of pretty intense pressure where you you almost feel entitled not to have to worry about anything else because you're so focused in on this one task that you've been asked to do. Right. It becomes all consuming right. in a way that it that it should for a yeah. short period a of short time. Short period of time. And I don't even think like now I know more about what the experience is like, but then I I didn't know exactly what to expect. Mm -hmm. I hadn't written a book before. I hadn't launched a book before. I had a vague sense of what might be asked of me, but I, in a lot of ways, was going in blind and feeling honestly quite unsure about whether I would be able to do a good job or able to, to meet the responsibility well. And then a couple weeks before the, the book would be released to the world, the launch day, our family uh, received some, terrible, devastating news. And again, this is connected to the to a bigger story that I can't fully explore just in this episode, but the outlines of it are this. My uh, sister Kelly and her family were living in Hawaii at the time. They were a military family and had been for many years. And my brother-in-law, Sean, was a helicopter pilot And uh, one night, he and 11 other Marines were on a night training mission, uh, two helicopters, and uh, something happened in the night. We didn't know what, but we received reports beginning in the morning that something had happened and the helicopters had not returned to their base. And we didn't know what had happened, Mm. but we understood that there had been some sort of accident and they were missing. They were missing. So that was the news we received. And pretty quickly that day, and over the you know the two or three days that followed, I realized that I needed to go and be with my sister in Hawaii. In Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> I live in Pennsylvania, but I I knew and and other families family members knew that we needed to travel to be with her while this situation this 
terrible situation unfolded. And so I made a decision to do that, bought a ticket to Hawaii, uh, decided I would take my oldest with me, my, my mm-hmm. daughter, primarily so that she could be there with her cousins who they're near in age. And I thought if they're going through this, then they're going to need support as well. Right. And I knew I had a sense that, that my daughter could, could be that for them. So we made plans to leave very quickly, but I had this book launch on my hands mm. and the ticket I had purchased made it clear that I would not be home in time for the book launch that actually quite likely, unless I changed the date of my ticket, I would be on an airplane coming home from Hawaii the day that, that my book came out. And of course, at this point with the crisis going on, I pushed, you know, thoughts of the book launch to a much smaller place. Right. This was not just an interruption, but this was a disruption in our lives of great magnitude. And so I didn't worry about the book necessarily. But in those hours before preparing to leave, I realized, oh, dear, I do have a responsibility, but I can't fulfill that responsibility. What do I do? And without even really thinking it through, I just sent out a few messages to people who are involved in the project with me, my editor, a few writer friends. And I just told them, this is what's going on. I am leaving to be with my sister but I have this book coming out. And I, I think I just said, could you pray? Could you right. pray? Uh, I just want you to know what's going on. What I did not expect was that almost across the board, every single person I reached out to responded with, yes, I will pray, but also, what can I do? <laughs> <laughs> and some of them didn't even say, what can I do? They said, I can do X, Y, Z. Yes. And without even uh, me having to to come up with solutions or, or, you know, ideas for them, they were off and running. Right. And the the sum of this story is that other people launched my book. I feel like all emotional (laughs) remembering this story. I did not. I had nothing to do with Mm. the launch of Roots and Sky. Almost nothing. I was not present for it Mm -hmm. because I was able to be present for my sister and her children and and the rest of our family in Hawaii and for my daughter. And it was um, a hard time, but it was a beautiful time. Mm. God was with us. And I was there. I was able to be there. But the book launched without me. And uh, honestly, (laughs) although the, the larger circumstances were terrible, and never something we would have asked for, not a story we would have written ourselves. The story of the book launch was more beautiful than than anything I could have mm. imagined on my own mm. because it was just an act of love and friendship and support by everyone who was involved in it. I had a good friend, Chris Camille, who just said, hey, I'm going to run a Facebook launch team for you, something that honestly, in my own planning and my own strength, I probably couldn't have even done, (laughs) but she just did it. And she did it with another good friend, Mary Bonner, who was her right-hand assistant, just carrying my book out there. There were so many other people who said, we're here to um, read this book and tell people about it because Christy can't do that right now. And my memories of that book launch are Well, they're bittersweet, of course. My memories of that whole season are very bittersweet. But there is so much goodness when I look back. And it all, you know, we read that scripture where it says, you know, God works all things for good Hmm. 
for those who love him. And that's what I saw through that experience that we had, we had, you know, there was this massive disruption in our lives. But what came out of it, at least in terms of this smaller story of, of launching Roots in Sky, was profoundly deepened friendships. Mm. I am tied to women like Chris Camille mm-hmm. and Mary Bonner in ways that I never would have been right. because of, of, of how they um, loved me during that season. And also, the message of the book itself. I had written words months before that now in a, in a season of, of hardship— meant more. Yeah. The message of the book meant more to me because now it was coming to me in a time of of real disruption. So I think I'm telling this story not to say that interruptions small or disruptions large are are easy things. We're not going to sugarcoat that. Mm-mm. I know Lisa Joe, as we sat down to record this episode, I, I sense that you were probably even thinking like, can I even do this? I'm so distracted right, right now thinking about my daughter and her sickness and what's happening at home. So small interruptions, big disruptions are, can be heavy, hard things. But I have a feeling that we only increase the hardness and the heaviness when we fight them. Yes. When we um, rage against them. And again, no, um, do not hear me saying like, if you're feeling that anger or that rage that you just need to shut it down. Right. Our, you know, our feelings are, are, are valid and it's okay to sp- express them to God. Um, but if we just hold on to the rage, if we just hold on to the anger and we um, won't let ourselves soften enough mm-hmm. to just see, okay, what, is there anything good for me in this, this mm-hmm. unexpected, right. this very unexpected encounter or event? then we're in danger of of missing something good. We're right. in danger of missing something sweet. And I think also it's connected to this idea when women ask, how do you do it all? I think behind it is this assumption that there's some way we can protect ourselves from being ah. interrupted, right? Like, or we can guarantee that right. we will somehow do everything perfectly and arrive at that destination intact. Like, surely if we plan right. enough or we are productive enough. Right, or we hustle enough yeah. or we work hard enough or we, you know, we invest enough. But, but interruptions come to everyone. To everyone. <laughs> Nobody is immune is I think what Christy and I are trying to just say, which while on the surface might sound discouraging, my hope is that it's actually an encouragement that the interruptions, the disruptions, the seasons where you can't manage it all, those are normal experiences. They're part of being human. We live in a world that's broken and that groans under the weight of its own brokenness, which means that we will experience that ourselves. We aren't immune. It's part of the journey. And our big prayer for you as listeners is that you will have people who come and sit down next to you when you've stopped walking on your journey because you've been hit. Whether it's a small interruption, like today I have my father-in-law and our neighbors and the school nurse who I know by name, who's so wonderful, who've sat down here with me, or on a big disruption level like Christy experienced, to had a whole community come and sit alongside her and carry her. I just think... It's one of the most powerful gifts we give each other as human beings, and it's modeled by Christ, Emmanuel, right? God with us. He he physically came to earth to be 
with us, to sit with us in the middle of our brokenness and our hurts and our pain and our interruptions and our joys. Mm-hmm. I love that he his interruptions weren't always just bad things. Often they were to do with beautiful celebration. His very first miracle takes place at a wedding, and his mom is the one who interrupts him and says, uh, they've run out of wine. You're going to need to do something about that, right? <laughs> I I think that if we believe that there's something we can do to insulate ourselves somehow from being disrupted, we've perhaps missed the, the bigger picture of what life here in this human skin looks like. And so if Christy and I can just give you one encouragement today, it's to say that those interruptions and, and I'm and those I'm sorry, those terrible earthquake like disruptions that we cannot protect ourselves from as much as we wish. But the gift in the middle of those are the people who will sit down on the side of the road with us and just be with us in the middle of those interruptions. That's right. And I recognize now that I have um shared a story that is linked with larger stories. And some of you who haven't heard that small story before may be wondering about the bigger story and about my sister and about my brother-in-law, Sean. And so I feel like I should at least give a sense of that larger story, which is this, Sean and his fellow Marines were not rescued that day. They did not come home. There had been an accident and, and they had, they all died. And that is a terrible thing. And mm. death, I think, is the greatest yes. <laughs> interruption <laughs> and disruption that, uh, that we'll know, plan. Yeah. that we'll know in this mm. life. And many of you are well acquainted with mm. that grief. But I can also say, and here is just, again, a little glimmer of the larger story, as that uh, I know personally that one thing that I took out of that terrible season. And one thing that I carry with me still is this sense that I am no longer afraid of Mm. that great disruption, that great interruption death. I am not afraid because I have seen with my own eyes how um, God meets us at that threshold when someone has been taken from us and has passed on Mm. to be with their maker. It's a terrible place to be, but goodness, our eyes can be opened in that place to the true realities. And the reality is this, we are loved and we will one day be welcomed home. And Sean was welcomed home. And I'm thinking of the words we shared in our last episode, well done, good and faithful. (laughs) And we know that he heard that. And um, we look forward to the day when we will hear that and we will be reunited with him. So that's just a small taste of that bigger story that isn't even fully mine, but I was privileged to witness in that season. But I share it with you just to acknowledge that 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 really is the ultimate disruption. And we don't Mm -hmm. want to sugarcoat that or, um, you know, deny that reality. But I think as we go through life, and as our, our souls are growing and, and becoming more and more able to embrace even the small interruptions, I think there is this I, th- I think that's preparing us to to receive even the bigger interruptions in ways that can be more fruitful than devastating, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Thank you for sharing that story with us today, Christy, because I know it's such a tender one. And maybe one day on future episodes, we'll share more about what God has done with that story, especially in the life of your sister, Kelly, and just the redemptive work he continues to tell through that story. But as we end today, I just felt moved to do something we've never done before, and I don't know if we'll do again, but I just want to pray. I want to pray over you who are listening today. I feel like... We want to leave you knowing that you have a God who hears you. And so for everybody listening, no matter what you're walking through today, whether it was a small interruption, an inconvenience that left you feeling unsettled with low-grade anxiety today, or if you are living through an earthquake like Christy did, we just want you to know that we believe in a God who says He is with us. Us. He embodies the presence of comfort and peace and love, and that He sees you and He's with you today. And our prayer for you today is that you know it and that you feel it in the bones of who you are. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who walked the earth with His own two feet, and one day will be able to welcome us home. In His name, amen. Amen.